Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Today is the last day of August. August 31st, 2020 is the last day for the summer sale of Homeschool Explained, my online course that helps you feel resourced and confident as you start your homeschool journey. Use the code LORIBETH50, L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-5-0 for 50% off the enrollment price. That's my thank you to you for being a loyal listener of Elevating Motherhood. I really appreciate you and I hope the course helps. For more information and to enroll in the course, head to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. My other favorite passion project is my online boutique, Beautiful and Simple. I've filled it with products that remind us to slow down, practice self-care, and focus on the meaningful parts of our day the beautiful and simple ones. My favorite mug is the one that says you cannot pour from an empty cup. It's my daily reminder to take care of myself so I can take care of my family. Go check out the collection of mugs, shirts, and bags currently available at beautifulandsimple.com. I am thrilled to be able to bring you this bonus episode, 11 episodes in one month. 11 episodes all focusing on homeschool encouragement and helping you feel resourced and introducing you to some of the most brilliant, awesome, amazing, supportive mamas in the homeschool space. And what better person to wrap it all up than the wonderful Jessica Waldock of thewaldockway.com. Have you ever heard of game schooling? strewing, relaxed homeschooling? If so, you'll know how magical these elements of home education can be. If not, you are in for a treat. Jessica is here to offer us tips and insight on all of those things and a bunch more things. We had an awesome conversation and I'm so glad you're here for it. Whether the notion of homeschooling and only caught your eye, or it was the interest-led learning, or the word game schooling that got your attention, this episode is for you. It is not just for parents of only children. You will see that very quickly. Jessica is an incredible resource. Her website, thewaldockway.com, is fun, informative, and very interesting. Her approach to home education is inspired. And she doesn't just stop at creating an incredible education for her own daughter, but then takes the time to put it all together for us too. Jessica Waldock is a writer, photographer, and homeschool mom of one living in sunny Florida. She founded the Waldock way as a way to give back to the homeschool community that she loves so much at the Waldock way. Jessica shares tips, tricks, 
inspiration, and unique resources that help ignite a love of learning in children that will last a lifetime. She inspires families to engage in homeschooling as a lifestyle where relationships come first and interest-led learning prevails. Jessica also has a fabulous collection of unit studies on her website and shares generously on her YouTube channel. Without further ado, let's welcome Jessica Waldock to the show. Aloha, Jessica. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled you're here. I'm thrilled to know you and get to know you more. We have just had the most pleasant conversation, and I'm so excited for my listeners to get to know you more, too. Would you mind starting off by telling us a bit about your homeschool journey? Sure. So I am a homeschool mom to an only child. She's a little girl who is eight years old. We have... Um, unexpectedly homeschooled from the beginning. It was supposed to be temporary and has turned into a long haul. So we are going into our fifth year. We are homeschooling from sunny Florida. And if I had to pick a style, I would say we are relaxed, although we tend to like to say that we just live a lifestyle of learning. Mm, Cool. I like that way of looking at it. What about your journey was going to be temporary at the beginning? So when we first started homeschooling, um, it was preschool. And I, Emily is my rainbow child. She was very difficult to have and she was a difficult pregnancy. So I, if I'm being totally honest, was just not ready to let go of a four-year-old. I wasn't ready for her to be in preschool. I wasn't ready for her to be away from me. And we live about 45 minutes from the nearest preschool. So like at a half day, it really made no sense for her to even go logistically so I used that as an excuse and said, it's just ABCs and one, two, threes. I'll just you know keep her home this year. And preschool turned into kindergarten and kindergarten turned into first grade. And finally, at the end of first grade, we went from saying that we were taking it year by year to just admitting out loud that this is what we wanted and not just because um, it was working, but it was working for our whole family. She was learning and the our my husband, myself and her just, we loved it. We loved the lifestyle that it afforded us. We liked that we could just um, go on vacations that doubled as field trips and just kind of deep dive into the learning and all learn together. And it just, everything about it was just perfect. And it's the life that we hope to live all the way through. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, and thanks for your honesty too about just not being ready to to let go of that little four-year-old. I get it. I felt the same, same way with my oldest and my kids after them too, that I was like, you know, I feel like I could do it too. And next thing you know, yeah, now we're entering first grade, uh, September 1st. <laughs> and it's hey, It's been good. That's when we're starting too. Oh, cool. Yeah. A lot of people have already started, but we actually homeschool year round because it's just life schooling, right? It's just like everyday life and we learn every day. And, but I try to make it a point to, um, click over to the next grade (laughs) by September 1st. So we homeschool year round too. Well, I don't really say that we have start and stop dates per se either. Cause like you said, it's just life. You learn all the time, Mm -hmm. whether you're trying to or not, and whether it's planned or not. But we are huge Potterheads. Um, I even wrote oh. an entire curriculum around Harry Potter and the Hogwarts uh, kind of life. And Hogwarts goes back on September 1st. And so it's just become a thing like if it's good enough for Hogwarts and Harry Potter, then it's good enough for the Waldocks. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And I am going to totally 
file that away for later when my kids get into Harry Potter and I'm like, oh my gosh, they start on September 1st too. It's I can already see their excited little faces. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Well, uh, Harry Potter curriculum, um, you have that on your website and you offer so much support for families in so many different ways. You're a blogger, you're a YouTuber, you're a curriculum creator, and you show up on social media and and walk us uh, through so many different aspects of support. I want to highlight each of those. So your website is thewaldockway.com. Tell us about all the things you offer over there. So I try to write blog posts that um, highlight kind of what we're doing since we do not necessarily do you know, traditional schooling. And by that, I just mean that we are relaxed and we don't do any curriculum like from the very front to the very back. We skip around. We are probably what I would call interest-led learners. Um, mm-hmm. We let Emily take the lead on a lot of things. So I try to share that because a lot of people have a hard time you know, seeing what that would look like maybe in their own homeschool. And I started writing curricula specific for her. And it just kind of dawned on me that maybe others would enjoy it too. So it started out with this little five-year-old girl who walked up to me and, you know, with her little hands on her hips, mom, wouldn't it be fun if we could learn about Jack and Annie and do school with them? And she was talking about the Magic Treehouse's book. She was in love with Jack and Annie in kindergarten. Yeah. So I took each of the books and turned each one into a specific unit study. So like book one is dinosaurs. And so you just dive into dinosaurs with that book. And I just made this year long adventure with Jack and Annie and, you know, touching on each of the books with topics and unit study style. And that same little girl, you know, next she wanted to dive into Hogwarts and she has this huge thing for um, the who was books. She calls them the big head books. She wanted to learn with the big head. So as she has developed interest and as she's developed, you know, the things that she would like to learn about, I've basically turned them into um, relaxed, flexible unit studies. There's not necessarily plans that say do this on this day and do this on this day. It's kind of just there for you to lay a feast for your child and let them, you know, eat as if it's a buffet. And I just kind of do any topic that Emily asks for, and then it ends up on my shop for others to benefit from. So cool. I actually just pulled it up right now. (laughs) I was like, what? We love Jack and Annie. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. And the Harry Potter stuff. Oh my gosh. I'm super stoked about that too. And it looks like your blog is on there. Oh my gosh. So many things that you talk about smart screen time, strewing. It seemed like you were kind of starting to talk about strewing there for a minute, like laying the feast, you know, like you said for the kids. I love that. Yeah. Strewing is one of the things that like is huge in our homeschool. We do it frequently. Um, It's a great way to figure out if your child is interested in something or to, in my uh, situation, it saved our morning. So Emily kind of was, she likes to get up and hit the ground running. And I'm like, oh my gosh, don't talk to me. So I strew something the night before so that she can get up and hit the ground running. And it's something for her to explore that um, gives me a few extra minutes to, you know, caffeinate and wake up. Hmm. Can you share with us maybe one of your favorite or like what you consider like the most successful strews that you did? Oh, her favorite, the ones that always get the most are like dramatic or pretend play. So mm. there's been um, 
and they, these are when I'm feeling really extra. This would not be something that I would do like every day. But for like September, I turned um, like our homeschool room into like an apple orchard. And I normally turn it into the North Pole around Christmas time. She was really into veterinarian. So I you know made like a little vet office pretend play. Those mm-hmm. normally engage her the most um, and last the longest, meaning that it's something that can be, you know, left up for weeks at a time and she will continue to play with them. So cool. I've had a lot of success with uh, breakfast madness where everyone's waking up at different times and, and then they all sit at the kitchen Island, like waiting for breakfast to be made. And there's always, it feels like a different adult in the kitchen making breakfast or whatever. And our schedule's really loose. Um, but if I can put out some of the wooden stuff that we have from treasures from Jennifer, Um, if I can put out like their name puzzles or these different counting things and whatnot, and I just put it in front of each seat, it's very interesting to see which kid will choose which, um, activity, you know, that I put in front of them. And that's a little less strewing organic for them to find it. But when I don't like assign seats or anything like that, and they kind of figure it out themselves, it buys me a couple extra minutes, um, engages them from the start and usually staves off some of the I'm hungry, or I don't want that, (laughs) you know, first early morning. And it prevents you from handing them a screen, which not that screens are bad. We obviously embrace them in our homeschool, but sometimes it's hard if you start to, you know, get off the screen and move on to Mm -hmm. other things. So having those open-ended, you know, things strewed to buy you those few extra minutes, which is important as a busy mom, um, and then feel less guilty because you didn't, you know, hand them a screen is just like a win-win. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. It feels like a nice, easy start to the day too, which is nice. And you're right. Some of the things can last for like weeks and weeks and weeks and I'll have different shelves and try not to get too attached to the things I, you know, arrange on the shelves in a designer sort of way. (laughs) Remember that I, they're meant to be played with and (laughs) all that. Yes. I frequently have to remind myself that just because I set something out with a specific intention doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that that's what it has to be used for. Because there's been times that I've put things out and thought, oh, this this is what she's going to do with it. And she'll do something completely different. And it's like, okay, but that was the point was to strew and, you know, see what she did with it. Let her explore and discover and that's okay. Right. I had put out these little counting dolls, like little counting gnomes out, and they disappeared for about a month and were used in other play. And when I saw them abandoned the other day, I put them back on the shelf. <laughs> like I just I just wanted to see my idea one more time right in front of me. But yeah, for a month there I had to really relax about my expectations um with all of that. You had mentioned um relaxed homeschooling in your statement uh, earlier. And I'm kind of curious if you can unpack what that means for us. Like, what is it? Because it sounds really great and really appealing. Like what is relaxed homeschooling? And then how do we get there? How do parents get there? Uh, For us, relaxed homeschooling, like I said, is like not necessarily, and there's nothing wrong with curriculum. I mean, I'm a curriculum writer, so obviously I love it, but it just means that we don't do anything, even my own stuff from like the front of the book to the back of the book. Like we are very relaxed. We have, um, we set goals that we would like for her to meet educationally and language arts and math, 
But that's it. She kind of gets to, as far as like geography and history and science, it's whatever she's interested in. Um, we don't use a lot of textbooks. We, you know, read books and we play games and we utilize, like I said, screens with documentaries and apps, um, real life experiences when that's possible. And we just live life. So maybe for, you know, instead of doing a math problem in a workbook for, you know, perimeter and area, um, her and her dad plant a garden together, you know, and that's how they, you know, that's how they learn perimeter and area and arrays. Then I would say how we got there is over time would be my first thing because I did not start out as a relaxed homeschooler. I have slowly relaxed a little bit every year. I would say I probably started out as a traditional homeschooler. I honestly think most homeschoolers start out there because that's all we know. If you came up in the public school system, that's what you know and that's what you recreate because it's you know what you're familiar with. Right. So that's what I started with in preschool. And then every year I have gotten a little bit more relaxed. I've let go of a little bit more because it was like, it wasn't important or I found it not to be as important as I thought it was in the beginning. You know, every year a little bit more has, has kind of shed away to, you know, show that the relax is working or show that it's what's important or um, that relationships come over academics, which is always our number one goal. Mm-hmm. Same. Oh, yeah. Connection over curriculum every time for us, too, because I feel like the lessons don't happen if there's no connection there. They definitely don't. They don't. I had to tell myself very early on because math is a struggle in our house. And of course, that's one of the things that I personally think is very important. But I finally had to tell myself that, like, if there's tears, we're not getting anywhere. So why, like, why are we still doing this? You know, why am I pushing and why is it? And I don't want her to look back 20 years from now and the memories that she have be of us sitting at the table crying or arguing over the top of a math book. I want them to be of us giggling and laughing and learning together alongside each other and, you know, enjoying it. So that's what I strive for every day in our homeschool. Mm-hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I will say I strive for it. Not every day looks like that. <laughs> but that concept is my reminder to like come back to center and make that the focus. Yeah, I definitely uh, strive for it, but don't always hit that mark either. <laughs> I hear you. Well, talk with us about homeschooling an only child, because I think that a lot of people, when they think about homeschool, there's the stereotype that we have huge families, you know, or you're not surprised that a family of five or eight is homeschooling. Um, but there are many people who homeschool with only children. And I'm, I'm curious, this is the part of the episode I'm actually super excited to learn more about, because I'm not sure what it's like to homeschool an only child or, you know, what's different and what's the same. Could you walk us through what that looks like? Um, I think probably a lot of things are the same. The biggest difference is that you, um, well, first of all, I'm not having to, you know, manage my time between multiples. So, I mean, I guess that's on the pro side of homeschooling and only. And then um, I don't have anybody to do anything with her other than me. So whereas maybe you could send your two maybe littles, you know, to go play while you did something one-on-one with your oldest or, you know, they could play a game while you make lunch. It's just, it's just me. So if we're going to play a game or we're going to do anything that's like maybe, you know, partnering up or requires a group, it's, it's always me. And I love that. Um, but sometimes it can be a little more time consuming than I think people 
realize there's a lot of stigma around homeschooling and only the biggest one, of course, being socialization. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is literally the number one question that I get anytime. I'm like, I'm a homeschooler of an only. They're like, oh, wait a minute. You are one and only, and like you don't think she needs to be around other people. I'm like, I didn't say I, you know, had her in a bunker. I said we're almost <laughs> her, you know? um, And normally, it's funny to me because normally the people that say that are people that don't know her. Because I promise you, if you've met her, socialization is the last question you would ever ask when it comes right. to child. I believe it. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I I knew that was going to come up. It's like, once you're in the homeschool game for a little while, you're like, are we done beating that dead horse of socialization? <laughs> like modern homeschool is just totally different. And there are so many opportunities for connection. Are there other um, common concerns people bring to you about homeschooling an only child? Um, I, I get asked a lot from other people who are considering homeschooling an only, like, can they do it? Can they homeschool and only? Which obviously my answer mm-hmm. is absolutely. You absolutely can. But their concerns are um, socialization. Will they be enough? Um, is there, you know, are there things that like that they don't get, you know, that social interaction or um, like they feel like they're going to do them a disservice, you know, by keeping mm-hmm. them home with just them. And I am here to tell you that Emily does not um, want for anything as far as like social interaction goes. She is, I mean, as normal as a kid can be, I guess. Like there's nothing that mm-hmm. I would say that homeschooling her as an only child has done disservice to her, in my mm-hmm. opinion. It has all definitely been, been pros and positives. Um, so you definitely can do it. Um, there's not, you know, any reason not to. Uh, mm-hmm. If your child is super social, which Emily is, even during COVID, um, there's been things like, you know, Zoom classes and, you know, FaceTiming. I mean, there's ways to do it even when you can't, you know, be in the real world. But when you can be in the real world, there's co-ops and meetups and, you know, field trips and just so many things that you can do to still, you know, have those social interactions. I mean, for us, even going to the grocery store or the post office, you know, is, is interacting and being social. So I don't think those are things you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to ask a blatantly honest question. <laughs> is there anything you wish that p- parents of multiples understood more or would, would take into consideration when they hear about an only child who's being homeschooled? The grass is not always greener on the other side. Okay. (laughs) Just because I only have one does not necessarily mean that it's easier. Um, And I will not sit here and pretend to say that I understand what homeschooling multiples is like. I don't have multiples, so I can't put myself in that position. Um, But just because I only have one doesn't mean that it's any less work or less. um, Because a lot of times I get like, oh, well, yeah, you can do that because you only have one. Or I'll get the messages like, well, what would you do different if you had multiples? Well, I mean, I don't know what I would different do different because I don't have them, right? Like you can't put yourself in a position you're not in. Right. And nor do you have the time and energy to imagine that either. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, no, I'm I'm just over here in my own lane. Um, But I don't think, I tell people all the time that it's not, it's not, it's not better or worse it's just different. It's just a different dynamic, whether you have, you know, multiples or you have one, we're still homeschooling. We're still moms. I mean, I still have to, you know, do all pretty much all the same things, you know, keep her alive, feed her three meals, teach her reading, writing, arithmetic. 
um, it's just different because it's just me and her versus, like I said, you know, when you have multiples, some things are easier, some things are harder. It's just, you know, but that's what I get the most is like, well, you can do that because you have one or, oh, it's easier because you have one. And, you know, maybe it is, but it doesn't feel like that to me. <laughs> right, right, right. That's really good. Yeah, thanks for that. That's good. I think perspective is really good and helps us uh, approach it with more um, compassion and understanding for sure. So thanks for that. I'm, I'm kind of wondering if you have any tips for people who are homeschooling one child. Uh, my number one tip for somebody who is homeschooling and only is to set aside somewhere in your day time for you guys to disconnect. And I say that coming from the place of just saying connection over curriculum. And I am all about connecting and relationships. But we do what we call screen time lunch or educational show lunch. And she watches lunch with a screen. And I eat my lunch with earbuds and watching um, like YouTube videos or listening to a podcast. That 20 minutes for us of disconnecting from each other, like recharges us to be able to come back together and spend the rest of the afternoon better because we're ready to come back. And sometimes when you're homeschooling and only too much of a good thing can turn out to be a bad thing. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we love each other, but it seems like when we don't get that 15 to 20 minutes of kind of our own things in our own lane and, you know, distance from each other. And we, when I say distance, I mean, not engaged with each other because we'll be sitting on the same couch together. I mean, it's not like we're not together. Um, we're just kind of zoned out from each other. Because when you're homeschooling and only, and I know it's not that it's different with multiples, but you are it. It is just you and that other child. So you are mm -hmm. everything to each other and you are like, you know, you're on all day long. So that 15 mm -hmm. to 20 minutes can really turn around the rest of your day. If you just set aside, whether it's breakfast or lunch or, you know, a quiet time, if, you know, if your kids do that, but it really is not something that the parents of an only should feel guilty about because mm -hmm. it will make them a better mom or dad um, if they do that. And that's something I had a hard time with was being like, okay, this 15 minutes of us taking separate time is actually better for us in the long run. And it makes our homeschooling more productive when we come back together. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is a golden tip right there. I think for almost anybody, we do something similar in our house with the three kids. Um, but it's a philosophy of just sort of honoring the individual. And that while we are a family, we are five individuals who have individual interests and individual needs. And there is hardly any one moment where all five of us are like hungry for the same food or tired at the same time or alert at the same time or wanting to watch the exact same movie at the same time. And so if we can set aside those times for us to have space, especially me as the mom, I feel like sometimes if we can just honor that we all have needs to for time away from the family, it really helps. But I think that's a really important point you brought up. Um, because I've heard my mom friends of only say similar things. And it makes sense. It makes total sense. And I think that I don't know, have you found that the more you practice it, the easier it gets? Yes, it definitely does. Like I don't, I'll, I have no problem. And we both know too now that it's like, okay, mm -hmm. it's lunchtime. And with lunch, you, um, she'll listen to her own podcast or watch her own show. I mean, I make sure that it's educational because then that makes me feel a little less guilty about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we kind of both zone out in our own ways. She does that. And I do my thing. We both sit, I mean, we're still together, but we're enjoying our own thing. And then it's just like, 
that's part of our routine. It's as simple as getting up and getting dressed for us now. Like it just happens mm-hmm. every day. So cool. So good. Um, what are some of her favorite podcasts? Just curious. Oh, Brains On, hands down, is her favorite. She loves okay. the Brains On podcast. Um, I actually have a blog post I'll send you with Thanks. all of our favorites separated by subject. Like if you need to sneak okay. a little extra yeah. like history in or a little extra science, you can, you know, plug on a podcast. But um, Brains On and What If World would be probably her top two. Like she's always the most excited to listen to those. Cool. Thank you for that. Because my um, oldest is going to be seven here very soon. And I know that she's kind of interested. She's kind of starting to move into the like seven, eight year old topics sort of thing. And I, I see her wanting to go that way more. Um, she really enjoys uh, But Why um, and Big Life Journal or some of her, or or the big life kids, excuse me, the big life journal people put out a podcast called big life kids. And those are two of her favorites too. And yeah, please do send me that blog article. Yes. (laughs) In fact, I might not even wait. I might, you know, when we're done, just go to the waldockway.com and look it up myself. (laughs) Because I am very interested in more podcast suggestions. Yes, they are. We love them, especially because like I said earlier, we live so far from most things. So it's Mm -hmm. so nice to be able to, you know, put on a podcast in car school, you know, get some school done while you're driving. It's such a blessing to be able to, you know, be, be able to feel like you're on the go or doing stuff and still getting some of those. And that's part of that relaxed homeschool. And, you know, that counts Mm -hmm. aside listening to brains on for the day. Yes. Thank you for that. That's actually a a beautiful and perfect transition into what I was going to talk about with you next, which is this idea of things like car schooling or game schooling, or I even call it bath schooling sometimes when either I'm taking a bath and they're just talking with me or reading me something, or they're in the bath and they're recapping a story that we had told earlier, or we're like, you know, checking off boxes of lesson suggestions, or we're in the car listening to podcasts that totally counts, or we're playing games together that totally counts as school. Oh, yes, it definitely does. I think I think there's like even baking in the kitchen. I mean, you're, yes. you're reading, you're measuring all of those things account as school. And I think a lot of times we're quick to feel like if we didn't check off the box because it didn't look like what we thought it would look like, that it doesn't count. Um, but it mm-hmm. definitely does. And playing games is one of our favorite ways to check off boxes. <laughs> Hmm. Let's uh, zero in on game schooling specifically, because I think that we kind of see the value of playing games and how they could technically count as learning. But I think for most of us, I mean, this was the case for me and a lot of other families I talk with too, that we have a hard time reframing just playing board games or online games and seeing them as educational. Can you talk with us a little bit about that and share with us ways we could start actively reframing how we think about gaming and game schooling? Well, first, let me preface it by saying that I was one of those people. I mean, I saw the value of games as connection. You know, like we had family game nights. Um, I love the way they brought a family together, but I didn't see them as educational per se. Like I didn't use them in the beginning for, um, for school, right? I mean, we might play a game, but it was more of a reward for having done the schoolwork versus it being the actual lesson. That was until 
I want to say it was her kindergarten year. She was having a really hard time with her math facts. I mean, like really hard, frustrating me wanting to pull my hair out kind of hard time with it. And I was going to college full time um, and finals were coming up and the holiday season was coming up. And my husband suggested that we just, I mean, she was in kindergarten, right? So he's like, let's just take the holiday season off. Like y'all need a break and you've got enough on your plate. We'll just take, you know, from basically Thanksgiving until after the holidays off, which was perfect. And we now do that every year. Um, And all we did was read those beautiful Christmas picture books and we played a lot of Yahtzee. Yahtzee is mine and my husband's favorite game. And so we played a lot of Yahtzee and she learned how to play. And it didn't, I didn't put it all together until when we came back in January, all of those math facts that she had struggled with for like five months, she had mastered. And then it, it was like, the proof was in the pudding for me, right? Mm-hmm. We mastered the math facts, not because we took time off, which I'm sure some of that helped, but because she spent that time rolling dice and playing Yahtzee with us and counting her dice and adding up the points. And I I just dove so deep into the game schooling world because I saw the benefit of it. And I said, this, this is what I want because I reflected back on those five months that we had spent basically butting our heads together and knocking them against walls and pulling our hair out, trying to master math facts, which is not the way I wanted to do that kind of stuff versus the time that we spent as a family playing Yahtzee, rolling dice and, you know, laughing and having fun. And I thought that is how I want to, you know, teach math facts, teach anything for that matter is in that way versus, you know, the one where we're struggling with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> in fact, you know, so far, a couple times in our conversation, I've been like, hmm, now I want to have a bigger game cabinet. And hmm, <laughs> maybe. It can be slightly addicting. We own yeah. a, a, lot, a lot. I think at the last count, because I use um, Board Game Geek has an app that you can kind of have it for a game uh, library and you can like log your games in there, which is what I do when we play. I log it. So at the end of the year, I have, you know, all the games played and on the dates and how many we've played. And it also helps to see which games you're playing more and less of kind of also kind of, you know, helps them purge themselves out of your house. But I think oh. we have over 400 and they are. <laughs> <laughs> I literally jumped back from the microphone. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to tell that to my husband because he thinks we have a lot. <laughs> I think, I think it's over 400 games Um, and I love it. We have, there is not a subject that we don't have a game for. Like literally I'm like, okay, you're not feeling like doing, you know, your place value math today. Okay. No problem. We'll just play a game. Like there's a game for that. We'll just play it instead. Cool. That is so cool. And you've done such a lovely job of highlighting the benefits of game schooling and, you know, why we should incorporate them. And it, I, it's funny because of my question for you was kind of like, how can we reframe how we look at games and like learn to value them as part of education? But now I think it's basically I'm asking for a reframe of how we think about learning and education because it doesn't have to be this big challenge and this fight and us yelling at our kids over their shoulder with a worksheet on the table, you know, to learn about place value. Like you're right. There is a game for that. And if it takes a couple of weeks for the game to arrive, or if our budget only allows for that game to show up on, you know, the next birthday, you can just start working on it then, you know? Yes. That's a lot. I know what 400 sounded like a lot, but that is actually how we built a lot of our games was birthdays, Christmases, yeah. holidays. I mean, there is not 
a celebration in our home that games are not what you get as a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm just going to put this out there in case anybody needs it, if that there is a concept that your child is struggling with and you can't find a game for it, you can reach out to me on pretty much any social media platform and I will help you because I will stand by. I'm a firm believer in there is a game for every concept um, and it is games don't judge, right? Like they don't mm-hmm. have that look of a mother who looks at you like, oh, you should know this, but you don't know this. And I'm getting frustrated because you don't know it. And no matter how hard we try to hide it, we do it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. we have to. It's who I mean, we're human. And games don't do that. Games don't judge. Um, games don't, you know, you're not disappointed by a game. You can't disappoint a game. And so kids are just more apt to to play it and to enjoy it and to learn through it. So mm-hmm. we do a lot of game playing. Mm-hmm. Have you had any uh, battles with uh, losing or poor sportsmanship or anything like that? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I was like, well, we have lots of people. Did I mention there's five individuals? <laughs> like some of us are very competitive and others are not. <laughs> Cooperative games were really, really yeah. good. when We went through that challenge of like, I needed to win because you either with cooperative games, you either win as a group or you lose as a group. So basically you're playing against the board game itself mm-hmm. and so the whole group. So you would have to work together to beat the game. And so that was very beneficial, especially when we went through that really rough. I always say that roughest patch is from like four to six. Mm-hmm. It, that's in, in our house anyway, that was the roughest. I mean, some of us are still competitive, but that was the roughest um, sore loser patch of when we really needed those cooperative games. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. And that's where most of them fall into too. our favorite cooperative game at the moment is called Outfoxed. Oh, I love Outfox. It's like, Me too. Clue, but with with these cute little, like, you know, <laughs> cute little fox thieves. And <laughs> right. And, so, outfits and it's just yeah. so such a good game. It is so funny. And oh my gosh, the first couple times we played it, though, all of our personalities came out even as a cooperative game where um, one of the one of our children is very like, it's I'm going to choose clues every time because you can choose, you know, suspects or clues. And I'm like, no, we got to move forward with the suspects, you know, but it's because it's cooperative. Like if, if it were just me, I would only be choosing suspects until we ran out. And then for her, it would just be clues with no information to compare it to, you know, so it is a truly cooperative game and really brought all of our um, personalities together. And we played one round of it and then the adults loved it so much. We wanted to play a second round and the kids got through like half of that game. And then we continued to play this game for like (laughs) five-year-olds because it's so fun. And (laughs) I I tell people all the time, like that is that and Dragonwood are probably my top. Now Dragonwood is not cooperative. Okay. And, um, but it has some sneaky math in it, but you don't realize you're doing math. Like those are my two top recommended games, family favorites, hand downs. We, I mean, Outfox is like the best cooperative game and it is great for three-year-olds, I would say with a tiny bit of guidance, you know, yeah. help them. Cause you're just counting spaces. Yeah. It really depends uh, on the three-year-old, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say as young as three could play with help. And um, my three-year-old does five. play, but it's, it's, it's extra help. Yeah. Yeah. And then up to adults. I mean, I would play that with oh, my yeah. husband by myself. Like we love it. Yeah. Um, you should come to Maui. I will play Yahtzee <laughs> and Outfoxed with you. <laughs> Quirkle. That's my other favorite is Quirkle. So we have to play Quirkle too. Mm. 
I don't know that or Dragonwood, so I'm pretty excited. Corkle. Okay. Got some got some stuff written down for myself and the show notes. That's so cool. I was going to ask you what your current past or favorite ones were, but thanks for that list. Well, we always laugh because we each have a very distinctive favorite. Um, Yahtzee mm-hmm. is my husband's, which is why it gets played so much. Corkle is mine. Um, and then Dragonwood is Emily. So those are our top three. But it's it's funny because the way we play is when we're going to have like an actual game night is everybody gets to bring a game to the table. So that mm. way everybody's playing something they enjoy before it's over. And it's almost always <laughs> those three because it's like his favorite Yahtzee, mine is Corkle, hers is Dragonwood. Every now and then she'll change one up if she's, um, you know, in the mood for something different. But we definitely have like he's a dice person. I'm a tile laying person. You know, we have very distinctive personalities when it comes to gaming. Mm-hmm. Do you play cards at all? Yes. Phase 10 is hands down our favorite card game. Cool. Um, yeah, I do like phase 10. Um, I grew up playing cards all the time. And some of our favorites were like hand and foot, um, where you play with a deck of cards per person, and you have a partner across the table, you can play four handed or six handed. Um, it's very close to rummy, I think, or um, trying to think of what that other one is called. Canasta. Now see, now I'm gonna have to look this up because I don't know hand and foot. Oh, I, I really like hand and foot or euchre. That's not for everybody, though. (laughs) And uh, it can be a little frustrating for beginning players. (laughs) And um, the other card game that we are loving is called um, Five Crowns. Yes, I love Five Crowns. Mm -hmm. That one's really fun. It's really lighthearted, too. And um, they have a Five Crowns for kids, which is actually pretty fun. I find it to be slightly more complicated than the adult version. (laughs) So have you played, um, if you like Five Crowns, I know that you can play that with just a deck of cards. But what about like a set? Do you like set? Because that one's a really good one, too. No, I haven't tried that one. Cool. Thanks. This is fun. This is going to be a fun episode where people are just jotting down lists. I know. <laughs> of games. We talk games all day long. Like we just go back and forth. We have so 400. Played this one. <laughs> that is so cool. I mean, but what a wealth of information. Do you also talk about game schooling on your blog? Yes, I have games on my blog broken up by subject, a blog post for each subject. Cool. And then they're so further cool. And then they're further broken up by like, if you go into the math, there's like numbers, addition, subtraction. So it's, it's very helpful. You can go on there and say, oh, I you know want to teach my child place value. And there'll be a list of, you know, which games are available for place value. That is amazing. Thank you so much for going first. I feel like it's not a taste tester, <laughs> like a, a game trier <laughs> and then breaking it down for us. What's it called? It will be game guinea pigs. Okay, thank you. Thank you for going first and doing that for us and then organizing it. I love that. I absolutely love that because you've got like the relaxed element to your homeschool, but then there is this like super organization in the in the information that you're presenting to others, which is just awesome, which is such a healthy balance. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was so interesting. All those different things for us to think about now from the only children to curriculum and game schooling and relaxed homeschooling and all of that. I am asking all of my August guests the same five questions. Um, And I do realize uh, that they could be entire episodes. especially for seasoned homeschool moms. But I think you've already talked about it a little bit. But my first question is, what do you do or have you done or used for curriculum? 
Um, for the most part, I write everything myself for her. Uh, we do like to use Life of Fred. That's one of her favorite uh, math. Mm. She says all the time. She just likes, she's an auditory learner. So anything like, you know, that has that auditory component, she really enjoys. So she likes Life of Fred. Um, and then for the most part, other than that, I write the majority of, you know, whatever she requests. And I guess that's probably one of the benefits of, being, you know, her being an only and us following her lead as she gets pretty much specialized tailor curriculum to her. But that's amazing because then you also offer it to us too, which is awesome. I mean, it's just it's so beneficial. Thank you. Well, what surprised you most about homeschool? Oh, the thing that surprised me most about homeschool happens to be the thing I love the most about it. And it is, uh, I guess, the flexibility um, mm-hmm. and the joy that it brings us as a family. Like, I never expected when we started that this is where we would be and that it would be more of like this just amazing lifestyle of us learning alongside each other. I, I thought it was going to be, you know, uh, a sitting at a table from nine to three doing worksheets and drilling and uh, me teaching history, which was my least favorite subject and cringing the whole time. And I mean, that's, that's what I envisioned going in. So that surprised me the most is that um, I actually love teaching history now that I get to make it, you know, more fun and hands-on and interactive and engaging. And uh, I love that, you know, an experience like um, a really awesome field trip can be more educational than a month's worth, um, you know, of book work. So mm-hmm. I just, I guess though, how much I love it has probably been the most, the most surprising to me. Mm, you and quite a few guests, actually. I love that. I love that there's room for that surprise and that enjoyment in homeschool that just ends up sticking around. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Tell us about a favorite or a memorable homeschool moment. I think, and this is probably not technically homeschool related on most people's mind, but my most memorable or favorite moment thus far um, has been, we were at Disney World and um, we were getting ready to get on Big Thunder Mountain and the Emily was a little bit upset and the guy was trying to be nice. And so he said, do you want the front or the back? And she was just kind of stunned by his question. So she just stood there and it was kind of like, wait, what? And he, of course, like, oh, you know, the back is faster. So she agreed and got on the back and we get off the roller coaster and she was like, wait, how can the back be faster, mom? If the back was faster, it would run over the front of the roller coaster. Like that's impossible. And so we start explaining to her, I mean, literally standing at the exit of Big Thunder Mountain at Disney, we're explaining like, you know, physics. And then out of nowhere, she's like, well, I think we should do an experiment. Like we need to ride on the front and the back of every roller coaster and see if it's, you know, just feels faster and then figure out why. And it was probably the proudest (laughs) homeschool mom moment that I've ever had because this, this little learner, this little kid, mm. you know, had grown up to be her, the self thinker, you know, and he, she put together this own like experiment in her head without having to be, you know, told to do it. And it was kind of like at seven years old, she had already achieved the goal that I had had for our homeschool, you know, was to raise her to love to learn and ask questions and find answers. And so it was just, it was awesome. Oh my gosh. I think all of us are like grinning ear to ear. <laughs> like I have chills and I'm all smiling and just, I'm so proud of Emily too. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, you know, watching them learn to read or when any of those <sighs> light bulb moments are always awesome too. You know, anytime yeah. the light bulb goes off, but that was just one of those that was like, well, my job is done. Like I've done everything I need to do. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. I love that. I absolutely love that. Wow. Well, what does homeschool community look like for you and your family? Um, our homeschool community looks pretty much like our followers. I mean, they have become, and I know that sounds cliche, but they have just become such an integral part of our lives. Like Emily calls them hers. She loves making, you know, videos and helping to comment back to them. And um, I love that I'm basically being brought into their homes and that they get to be brought into ours. And I mean, that's just has been such a blessing. It's been amazing to um, have that kind of community, you know, like to be able to give back to the community that I love so much and in everything. And we also do have a local um, wild and free group that we, um, well, I don't know if we'll be doing it this year, but we mm. were we were meeting every other week before, um, and that was really really great. We would do on nature walks together, and that was something we really enjoyed. But I'm not sure if that's happening this year or not. I understand. I understand. We're a part of the wild and free group here too. It's it's an interesting time for everybody. So luckily, mm. we have this amazing online community to be a part of in case our physical one can't happen. That's right. That's right. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, I love that you highlighted that too, that even though the, the world has thrown us curveball after curveball after curveball, that the opportunity for community and support and resources is still very much alive and well, especially in the homeschool community. Yes, it definitely is. There, I mean, it, the community is just so um, open and accepting and willing to help anybody in my experience so far. So I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, what is your favorite homeschool support resource besides yourself? <laughs> oh, honestly, probably Facebook groups. And I know that that probably okay. often sounds cliche, but it's just such an amazing um, place that you can, you know, join so many people that are like-minded because there's so many groups out there. I mean, if you're right. like, a working homeschool mom, or if you're a relaxed homeschool mom or a homesteading homeschool mom, there is, there is a Facebook group for everybody. And it's just kind of nice to, like we said, that comes back to that community. If you know, you don't have it in person, it's really great to find it virtually um, and feel like you're among your people, you know, kind of like finding your tribe. That's just always awesome to be able to do. Hmm. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Facebook groups do have a place in my homeschool support as well. And you can at this point, there's so many that are dividing up by, I don't know, there's different categories or different searches you can do. You can do Facebook uh, homeschool groups by state, by city, by island. Uh, new homeschoolers um, by homeschool style. You can find um, Montessori homeschoolers, Waldorf homeschoolers, Reggio Emilio homeschoolers, eclectic, secular, religious ones based on the curriculum you're using. There are just so many different ones out there. There really are. There's so many. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which which Facebook group is your favorite? Well, not to be braggy here, <laughs> but it is my community. So my cool. favorite would be um, Morning Baskets and More, which is my Facebook group. And it's just such a wonderful group of people. Um, we obviously talk about Morning Baskets a lot there, but it's the and more is, you know, anything homeschool. And they're just, like I said, a lovely, lovely bunch of people and so supportive. And the inspiration and encouragement that I have even gotten from the group has been excellent. So that's my favorite. 
Mm, That's awesome. And thank you for putting that together. I know how much time that kind of stuff takes and the dedication it takes to creating a really supportive um, community online. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, in closing here, what's one piece of advice or encouragement you'd like to leave with mamas listening who are new to homeschool? We have a lot of moms who are new and nervous. What would you say to calm their mama hearts during this transition? Oh, goodness. This could be a whole episode, like you said. Yes, I know. (laughs) Um, Well, the first thing I would say is to just take a deep breath. I mean, as a mother you were put on this earth to be their teacher. You you taught them how to um, you know, eat, talk, walk. You probably potty trained them. Like if you can teach them all of that, you can teach them how to read and how to write and how to do math. Like it's it's bred into you that you can teach your child. You're not gonna let them fail. It's not, it's not part of your DNA to let that happen. So you can do it. Um, but you're going to make mistakes along the way because honestly, it is a rite of homeschool passage. Like you have to do it. You have to pick the wrong curriculum. Um, you have to be too strict in order to loosen the reins. You have to try the wrong thing in order to find the right thing. So I think probably my number one tip is take a deep breath. You've got this. Um, you're going to make mistakes. We all do. Even us veteran season homeschool moms still make them. Yep. Um, and give yourself grace when that happens. Yep. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you. You're right. And I love the way you framed that for us, that, you know, we are the teachers and that is our design and that's what we're doing. And it's what we've been doing. We're just, you know, being asked to stretch a little bit and expand upon that learning. And, you know, chances are really high. We're learning right alongside our kids. And that's the most fun way, honestly. I mean, I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how much I've learned myself in this journey and it's, it's been a blast. Mm-hmm. So fun. And we have learned so much from you today. Uh, it just, it has been such a joy. I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you more. Where can they do that? Well, you can connect with me um, at thewalldocway.com on my blog or on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook, all of which is just the Wall Dockway. Um, I do videos twice a week on YouTube, one new blog post every week, and then I'm frequently um, posting on Instagram and Facebook. You are amazing, Jessica. Thank you so much for being in our homes and in our hearts and our ears and here in the Elevating Motherhood community. We are so happy to know you and to have you as a resource. Thank you again. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. It has been such a blast. Oh, yeah. So fun. We'll have to do it again. (laughs) That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.